This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 48 for April 2012, with guest Eric Barger on Freemasonry. Welcome to Echozoe Radio. I'm your host, Andy Olson, proprietor of Echozoe.com. Thanks for listening. This is episode 48 for April 2012. For this episode, I'm joined by Eric Barger of Take a Stand Ministries to talk about Freemasonry. Eric has been a Christian apologist for nearly three decades and addresses the cults, world religions, the occult, spiritual warfare, and troubling unbiblical trends and doctrinal issues facing the church today. He's authored several books, travels the country speaking to churches and Christian groups, and hosts his own radio show called Take a Stand with Eric Barger. If you'd like to know what you can do to support Echo Zoe, please check out echozoe.com slash support. There are several things listed there that you can do to help Echo Zoe, such as prayer, recommending the podcast and website to friends, or using our affiliate links when shopping online. You can find show notes for this episode at echozoe.com slash 48. There you'll find an outline of the discussion, additional resources, and scriptures referenced, as well as links to get connected to Echozoe on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. You can also find a link to our email alert system, where you can sign up to get an email every time a new episode is posted. With that said, here's my interview with Eric Barger. Welcome, Eric. Uh, thanks so much for taking some time to talk with me tonight about Freemasonry. Andy, I'm, I'm glad to be with you. It's an important topic, and uh, look forward to it here. Yeah, this is a topic I've been uh, kind of had in the back of my mind for quite a while. It's it's up there. You know, I've talked about different cults and false teachings and whatnot, and this one's kind of a mystery. And so I've uh, been unsure how to go about it, but uh, I think we'll I, – I know you'll cover it really well. I don't know quite what questions to ask, but um, I think I'll start off just asking kind of the basics. What is Freemasonry? Can you kind of unravel free, Freemasonry? and cut through some of the the myths and talk about what Freemasonry really is. Well, I, I know we'll, uh, we'll do that a lot more as we go along tonight, and I think that question will be answered uh, instead of in sentences or even paragraphs in, in the complete book chapters as we go along. Mm-hmm. So uh, Freemasonry, a lot of people say it's just a wonderful, wonderful benevolent organization that has... Uh, uh, hospitals for for burn victims, and they help children. And they're a philanthropic organization on the level of uh, Kiwanis Club or the Rotary Club or something like that. But um, Freemasonry has uh, a lot of religious connotations attached to it, and for that reason, a lot of us who are into apologetics and who deal with the world of the cults and the occult have uh, examined Freemasonry and have been. Uh, fairly unhappy with what we've seen. And I want to say right up front, and may say this again at some point, that uh, this is not to besmirch necessarily the character of the people involved. I believe most of the people, the vast majority of the people involved in Freemasonry, especially here in our culture in America, really have no idea of some of the cultic and occultic underpinnings of Freemasonry. And frankly, 
uh, it would be, I would be better off. It would be a lot easier for me just to never talk about this uh, because of the kind of, uh, of flack that I've taken in dealing with this over the years. But we've also seen a number of people come out of Freemasonry and recognize that the religion they had accepted inside Freemasonry wasn't authentic Christianity, and, and it's, um, it's induced people to, to look at the Savior and to realize that the, the Bible doesn't give us the right to do the things that Freemasonry does. It doesn't say that it's okay to align yourself with these kind of, um, uh, not only organizations, but the doctrines and dogmas involved. So um, for the sake of those who God may be trying to get through to, then I'm just as happy to go ahead and take the flack for it. But uh, I always give the disclaimer, this is not about a good, pe- good person versus bad person, or me being all right and then being all wrong. This is about truth. And I hope that those involved in Freemasonry who may listen to this will hear that and understand that. And I will tell you that so often people who are into Freemasonry who have uh, heard that I'm going to speak on it end up coming to the church and they either confront me in the foyer or even from the from the from the uh, from the audience and that's happened on several occasions and I I see it in many cases as a spirit that's manipulating people and so uh, I don't want to over spiritualize it but I will mm-hmm. tell you I believe it's got some dangerous underpinnings and that's what we're going to talk about okay well where do I even start with this uh, Freemasonry has such a like i said before it's such a mystery it's got its fingers entwined in uh in our culture and our history um there's legends of founding fathers being freemasons what is it about it i mean we know that it's a fraternal organization but what is this uh, religious aspect that you well, have, have it, it is a fraternal organization to some extent, and, uh, you know, a lot of people would say, but that's my church. In fact, I had a, a fellow who did the printing for our ministry for several years, and uh, finally one day I was invited to come back into his office at the back of the shop, and when I walked in, I saw it was a shrine, no pun intended, but a shrine to Freemasonry. And we began to talk about it. He had never told me he was a Mason. He had never tried to invite me to become a Freemason, because that's how people are induced into it. They're invited in. Okay. But he began to talk to me. He told me, it's, it's, it's my church. And he said, I believe there's a God. He said, but that's all you have to believe to be a Freemason, is to believe that there's a God. And we had several discussions, and very quickly there was a separation happened between us, because he recognized that I was anti, and I had reason, and I was trying to dialogue with him and talk to him. And so there are, there are people out there who are caught up in it who believe that because they believe there's a God, that's all that matters, and they're trying to help people, and it's really based around the works of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at Masonic history, and uh, you see what Masons say, they, they contend that it came from ancient Egypt. But the uh, the very earliest record we have of organized Freemasonry appears from the Stonemasons Union back in about the 18th century in France. Okay. There are two different ways to get to the pinnacle of Freemasonry here in America. One is the York Rite, and more popular is the Scottish Rite, and each one has degrees that you go through. I believe the people at the first, second, and third degree, which is called the Blue Lodge, and you start there, no matter which of the other two ladders you take to go to the shrine, which is a 32nd, and then the 33rd degree, which is a, a um, an honorary degree. I, I believe the people at the first, second, and third degree in the Blue Lodge really don't understand, and Freemasonic books verify that, that they really don't understand. I believe that a Freemason could be a Christian, but I don't believe he can be a successful Christian, and I do believe that because of the allegiances he swears to in the Lodge, 
that it, it becomes a spiritual burden, a heavy weight on him. And so um, I'm encouraging people who are Christians to renounce and disavow Freemasonry, not just because I said it, not blindly, but because they then have examined what I'm saying, and, and, and I hope the people will go to the books, the documentation. I have an hour and five-minute DVD on this topic that I did with the Southern Baptist pastor, who was just about put out of his church for speaking on this three Sunday nights in a row. In the process, people left the church, but in the process, some of the Freemasons in the church renounced it and realize that their commitment to Christ wasn't what it ought to be. So, you know, it's a, it's a spiritual battle we're in here, and, and that's what it's all about. Uh, the people often say to me, Andy, they'll say, I'm a Christian, and I'm also a Mason, and we're just good, uh, good God-fearing people. This is a God-fearing organization. We're helping people, and we're helping the kids in burn hospitals. We're just like a Kiwanis club, but that's not the case, especially when you begin to examine the writers of Freemasonry and what it's built on. If our foundation as Christians uh, wasn't built on the solid rock of the gospel of Jesus Christ and on the pages of God's word from cover to cover, then what will we have? And the same is free with Freemasonry. They are built on something. Now, lots of, of, uh, of God-fearing, Bible-believing organizations uh, have disavowed Freemasonry. Lots of them have forbid their membership and their clergy to be involved in Freemasonry. Uh, the Presbyterian Church in America, the PCA Church, uh, that you can't be a member of it, nor a in the clergy, obviously, if you're a member of um, of a Masonic lodge. So the Assemblies of God have done the same thing. Uh, the Reformed uh, Presbyterian Church of America, the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, the Foursquare Church, and on and on. All of them, you cannot be clergy or member if you're involved in the secret society. Now, usually Freemasonry isn't mentioned, but they mention it as a secret society. And that's exactly what they are. Once you join Freemasonry, uh, you're told that you can't tell anybody what goes on from the very first degree level inside the Blue Lodge, what happens behind those closed doors, you can't divulge. And uh, in a few minutes here, I will read... Uh, since I find it in my slides, I'm going through my slides. I've got about 200 slides on this, so I've got wow. to find this. But but uh, I will read uh, exactly what the inductee at the first degree and the second and third degree, what they say and, and what they do inside the lodge. Um, first thing that happens is you're hoodwinked, you're blindfolded as you go to the lodge door, mm-hmm. and they bring you in. And of course, you've you've um, you've been told this is this is kind of what's going to happen. That everybody's gone through it. Your uncle who's over in this corner's gone through it. Your pastor who's over here has gone through it. You know, the uh, mayor of the town is over here, and he's gone through it. And we're just all good old boys. And this will be over in a few minutes, and you'll be one of us, and you'll be able to work your way right up into the uh, into whatever degree you want to go to. And of course, the the loop that you're going to be a, a some kind of a leader in the society in your community or your business will do better because Freemasons will want to come and trade with you. These are some of the things that lure people into it. But, you know, when you look at what's being said in those rituals and you look at the setting that's, uh, that's uh, uh, taking place, the, the setting of the, the Masonic Lodge itself, uh, that's the stuff. And, and you start reading the books that Freemasonry is built on. When you do that, and you start comparing it to the Bible, and that's the key right there. Mm-hmm. We're comparing this to the absolute truth of the Scriptures to see if it stands up, to see if it can be cohesive in some way. When you start doing that, it's, it's wanting in so many different areas. And what are some of those uh, differences? What, what is it that so conflicts with the Bible? Well, 
Okay, let's start with this. Uh, there are three primary reasons that I list inside the uh, the DVD, which is, by the way, it's called Freemasonry versus Christianity. That's pretty simple, and people can find that at my website at ericbarger.com, and I'll spell that this one time anyway. It's E-R-I-C-B-A-R-G-E-R, ericbarger.com. And by the way, there's a lot of articles, probably about a dozen or so, uh, in our menu on the cults, and we have those kind of categorized. We have Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, and then Freemasonry is in there. About a dozen articles on Freemasonry by myself and by others who have researched this. So if you look at the primary reasons, and I'll just give three of them to make it simple, why a Christian should not be a Freemason, it's because the first thing you do at the very first degree of the Masonic Lodge is that you swear a secret oath. And the Bible is clear about the swearing of oaths. Jesus said, swear by nothing. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then he said, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So Jesus was clear about this. He said, all things that are hidden and concealed will be made public in the very end. He goes on in the Gospels and makes more mention of this. Now, at the very first degree, the entered apprentice oath of the first degree in the Blue Lodge, whether you're going in the Scottish Rite or the York Rite to go all the way up into the shrine, and these are steps that people take to go into these uh, into this organization. I'll just read what, it's, uh, what the inductee says here. Um, and and this is this is what the inductee says as he goes into the shrine. The very first thing that happens, he's blindfolded and he's brought up to the front, uh, right before the worshipful master. Now stop and think about that, Andy. The worshipful master. Why should I call a man a worshipful master? He's not a worship leader, but he is the master who's going to induct me into Freemasonry. It says here. As this I most solemnly and sincerely promise and swear, binding myself under no less a penalty than of having my throat cut from ear to ear, my tongue torn out by its roots, with my body buried in the sands of the sea at the low water mark. Now that's what uh, the says at the very first degree of Freemasonry. And then he says, so help me God to make me steadfast to keep me and perform the same. You know, He's taking his thumb and drawing it across his throat from ear to ear, and, and he's basically swearing an allegiance to the Masonic Lodge that he will never, he will never speak about what happens in the lodge. He will keep it all secret. He'll keep it all silent. And if he if he divulges it, that uh, he should have his throat cut from ear to ear and torn out by its roots, and his body buried in the sands of the sea at the low water mark. I don't think I want to be involved in an organization that makes me swear that kind of oath. How about you? I agree. And with Christ, yes, and with Christians who are uh, reading their, the Bible, reading know what the Scripture says, they understand already that Jesus said, don't swear any oaths. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the first degree. The third degree, or the Master Mason Oath, and, and by the way, most Freemasons stay right there. Most of them that go in, in the, into the Lodge, they never go beyond the Master Mason level. The ones who are running around with the fez on, the, the red uh, uh, hat that has the symbols of of Islam on it. That's what it has on it. It has it has the crescent moon and it has the sword, the two symbols of Islam. Uh, most of them, uh, most people never get to that stage. That's what I'm trying to say. Most people never go into the 32nd or 33rd degree uh, to, to call themselves Shriners. So 
people who have never heard about this before, Freemasonry and the Shriners are one and the same. The Shriners are the, the top or the pinnacle of Freemasonry. Now, back to what I was going to say. The Master Mason Oath, the third degree, this is what it says. All this I solemnly and sincerely promise and swear, binding myself under no less penalty than of having my body severed in two, my bowels torn from thence and burned into ashes, and these scattered forth to the four winds of heaven. Now, that's what they swear at the third degree. So by the time you get to the third degree, you have sworn three death curses down on yourself should you ever divulge what happens just in those first three rituals inside the Masonic Lodge. Most of, this, uh, most of the time, by the way, you are, you are hoodwinked. You have a blindfold on. You have had a sword pointed to your chest. Your shirt has been opened and, you, and by someone else, and you're a sword pointed to your chest. You have one pant leg up to your knee, and you're walking around from one station to another inside the Masonic Lodge, swearing these allegiances. So, um, I mean, just stop right there. You know, I, I can imagine why no, most men would not want to divulge what, what goes on in there, because they wouldn't want to know anybody, uh, tell anybody they went through that kind of thing. They mm -hmm. wouldn't want it known about themselves. Uh, and, you know, I've talked to guys who have come out of Freemasonry, who have written their letter of demit, leaving the Masonic Lodge, who have disavowed it, but yet they'll still never tell you what happened in the first, second, or third degree level because they still have in their minds this idea that they've sworn a death curse on themselves. And it, it becomes a, a matter of superstition. Even though they may have been set free by the power of Jesus Christ, that, that thing is still uh, controlling the way they think about it. It's, uh, it is a bondage, Andy. That's the thing. It's a bondage. Yeah, and so obviously the people who are taking these O's take them very seriously. What what I was kind of leading, going to ask you as you were leading up to that was, how does the organization see these curses or these O's and curses? Is this something, is it just a ritual or is this something they very much take seriously? Well, I, I don't know that I've ever seen where one of the uh, the Masonic writers, and there are several who are the most read writers out there in Freemasonry, lots of books out there. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen any of them say anything about uh, about the O's themselves as far as the way they're, uh, uh, they're viewed from the inside. But there's no doubt that Freemasonry has religious connotations. You must believe in a God to be a Freemason. However, here in America... Well, the Bible is, is the book that's used inside the Lodge. But if we went to Egypt and went to the Masonic Lodge in Egypt, it would be a Quran. If we went to India, it would be the writings of the Hindus, because they, uh, they take any of the writings wherever they are in the world, and wherever, whatever the prominent religion is in the world, that is the writings that is used inside of the Masonic Lodge. Here in America, the, the misconception is, and this is why so many people who are Masons and also claim to be Christians have uh, attacked me and Ed Decker and so many others who have talked about this. They've said, well, you know, we're good Christians. We use the Bible in the Lodge. Yeah, but how are you using the Bible? You're putting your hand on top of a Bible and swearing a death curse upon yourself, drawing your thumb across your throat. You know, and I've said that to Masons, and I've watched the look in their face, and I realize that's kind of nebulous, and it's... it's uh, it's only in the eye of the holder, but when you watch this happen and you see this reaction and you've had a mason stand up inside a church meeting and begin to swear at you from the back of the room, which happened to me, by the way, when this happens, you begin to see the spirit behind the thing as well. Mm -hmm. One of the Masonic writers, is Joseph Newton, he wrote a book called The Builders. He said the one eternal religion of masons is the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. The fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. 
Now, there's another Masonic writer, Manly P. Hall. He wrote the book, The Lost Keys of Freemasonry. He is one of the key writers in Freemasonry. He says every Masonic temple is a temple of religion, and its teachings are instructions in religion. In the Masonic King James Bible that I own, I own several of them, but one of them, it was a 1957 version of their Masonic King James Bible. By the way, at the third degree level, Andy, they give the inductees in the Blue Lodge, after they completed the Blue Lodge, at the third degree, they give you a Masonic King James Bible. It is the King James Version of the Scriptures, but it has a preface to it, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. Uh, On page 36 of this particular Masonic King James Bible that I have, it says the Bible is now so closely identified with the Lodge that for Christian countries, underscore that, for Christian countries, it is one of the very few undisputed landmarks of Freemasonry. Another is a belief in God. These two essentials, belief in a supreme being and reverence for his word, establishes beyond question the character of the fraternity as a religious institution. So they make the point. When they tell me it's not religion, I go, wait a second, your own writers, again and again, independent of one another, including those who wrote the notes that you put in your own Masonic King James Bible back in the 1950s, they all claimed that it was a religion. And, and to me, that is the key right there, because we're to have no other allegiances, no other religious allegiances, nothing else that we claim to be equal to or higher than our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, you talked a little bit about the Shriners. The Shriners are a, you said they're the, the top levels of Freemasonry? Yeah, the 32nd and 33rd degree. 32nd is an earned degree, 33rd degree is an honorary degree. Okay, so when they the circus comes to town, that's those guys. That is those guys. And the next time you see them, you know, the, the hat they wear is called a fez. Uh-huh. And uh, this has its roots in the Christian settlement fez, which was in Turkey. Muslim marauders rode across the desert in the 8th century and butchered the inhabitants of Fez. took them three days. They brought the people onto the streets. They um, forced them to either uh, swear allegiance to uh, Allah or to die, and those Christian martyrs died in the streets for three days. At some point during that butchering of the Christians, one of the Muslim marauders took off his white turban. He dipped it in the blood of the martyr he just killed. It wasn't long before in the heat of the day that, that uh, the blood on his turban turned to be a maroon color. Now, this is a key on why the Fez is maroon. And uh, they rode across the desert after the butchering of Christians and after they took the, the, the booty, the loot that they got. They went back, and they, the symbol of the martyrdom of the Christians was on the heads of those who did it. It was blood, blood-spattered turbans that had turned... Uh, uh, a maroon color in the in the heat of the sun in the desert. This is where we get the fez from. So the next time you see uh, um, one of these guys riding around in his little car, kind of like a clown, if you will, mm-hmm. and you look on the symbols on the hat, you'll see the crescent moon and the sword. And that guy is wearing on his head the symbol of the martyrdom of Christians from the 8th century. I hope the Christians listening to me right now who are involved in Freemasonry understand how absolutely that detestable that is before God, and how important it is that you disavow it, get away from it, run from it like the plague. No matter how many of your friends or even relatives may still be involved in the Masonic Lodge, I'm making this appeal early in this message, mm-hmm. folks. 
you need to get out of Freemasonry. You need to renounce it, get away from it, stay away from it, and tell others about it, warn others about it. It has nothing to do with serving the Lord Jesus Christ. They worship a different God. In fact, the composite God of Freemasonry, according to Freemasonic writers, is Jehovah, Baal, and Osiris. It's called Jobulon, or J-B-O, Jobulon. And this is what we see again and again in the Masonic books. In fact, uh, when you read what Albert Pike, who was the most read writer in Freemasonry, wrote, he said, everything good in nature comes from Osiris. Order, harmony, and the favorable temperature of the seasons and, and celestial periods. That's in his book, Morals and Dogma, which is the number one most read book in Freemasonry. Now, Osiris, one of the uh, the false trinity in, Free, in Freemasonry, one of the three... Uh, gods of Freemasonry, is the Egyptian god of the dead. He's the symbol of reincarnation symbolized throughout Freemasonry. This is where we get the all-seeing eye of Freemasonry, one of the symbols of Freemasonry from. So, uh, you know, it, it goes, it, there's so much to talk about, we'll never get it all done in, mm -hmm. in our short time together today, but you kind of understand that, uh, that this has so many underpinnings that have nothing to do with a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, but a lot to do with something that has to do with religion. I, I'm just really perplexed with this, uh, this Islamic imagery, but then you also add in the, uh, the Baal and Osiris, so you got this Egyptian pagan imagery. So what does that have to do with Freemasonry? What's the influence there and why this imagery? Well, take a look at some of the names of the temples. Uh, I'll just give you a few of them. The Turan Temple, that's Turan like Turan, Iran, uh -huh. in Clovis, California. The Cairo Temple, Rutland, Vermont. The Ahmad Temple, Marquette, Michigan. The Wahhabi Temple, Jackson, Mississippi. The Arabia Temple, Houston, Texas. The Muslim Shrine Temple, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, you kind of get the idea. The Medina Temple, Chicago, Illinois. That's all. That's throughout Freemasonry. These these things have their roots in that particular part of the world. In fact, the Hella Temple, H E L L A, is in Garland, Texas, and we have pictures of that one in uh, in the uh, DVD. And we talk about the symbols. And on their sign out front, at, out front of the Hella Temple, it's uh, it says Hella Temple has the crescent moon, the single star and the sword, all symbols of the Islamic religion. And yet, these are people who would claim to be Christians who go to this temple and who would support the Shrine Circus and so, say they support the burn hospitals and on and on and on. And so you see these symbols all throughout Freemasonry, and uh, that's what got me onto it, was looking at this and realizing that uh, the, the, the uh, crossover of, of uh, Freemasonry into Islam and back and forth I don't think it's any accident. Um, I was in a restaurant recently with Dr. Dave Reagan. You may you may know that name. He's a uh, popular speaker. He has a television show uh, that deals with Bible prophecy, and he's an author and a speaker and a friend of mine. And we walked in a restaurant to have breakfast one morning down in Dallas, and uh, we walked right into a group of, of Shriners who were there to raise funds in this restaurant, and they all had the... Um, the fez is on, and we sat down at the table and we began to talk about this, uh, Dave and I did, and he mm -hmm. kind of had to hold me back. I would say <laughs> once, and I said, you better pray for me, because I'm feeling a witnessing coming on. <laughs> he said, we need to eat our, our breakfast and go, <laughs> you know. But uh, that's the kind of stuff that we see around us, and most of those guys, if you'd have asked them, they would have claimed to have been Christians. They would have seen nothing wrong with it. This is more than just another religion, though. Uh, Annie, this thing has the world of the occult all through it, let it alone like the, the, the likenesses of, 
of, uh, of, of Islam. It says here, this is a, a book by George Steinmetz, and this is an official Masonic book published by McCoy Publishing, which is a Masonic publishing company. Back in 1946, the book was called The Royal Arch and Its Hidden Meaning. It says, many Masons shudder at the word occult, which comes from the Latin word to cover, to conceal from public scrutiny, or to profane. But anyone studying Freemasonry cannot avoid classifying Freemasonry among occult teachings. Now, that's an official book by the Masonic Lodge, by George Steinmetz, published by the Masonic Lodge, claiming that they're in the world of the occult. Now, I realize that quoting the writer of the Satanic Bible doesn't get you very very far with most people as far as credibility. But Anton Sander LeVay, in his book, The Satanic Rituals, made the statement that the Masonic orders have contained the most influential men in many governments and virtually every occult order, as has many Masonic roots. I mean, that's the connection. So the people involved in the occult see it. The people who are writing from from uh, uh, authorized Masonic sources are are seeing it and making those statements. Let me go further. Albert Pike quoted this on page 161 in Morals and Dogma. Again, the most read book in Freemasonry. He says, Lucifer, the light bearer, strange and mysterious name to give to the spirit of darkness. Lucifer, the son of the morning. He is the, the one who bears the light. And with his splendors, intolerable, blinds, feeble, sensual, and selfish souls. Doubt it not. So they call Lucifer the light bearer in that particular passage. Albert Pike does. And you begin to look at the symbols, the, the symbol of Eastern Star, which is the, the ladies of the Masonic Lodge. Uh, by the way, the five points of the pentagram pointing down, which is the same symbol as on the front of the Satanic Bible, with a circle around it, which, of course, has occult meaning attached to it, too. A star inside a circle uh, comes right from the world of the occult. And the saying of the Eastern Star is, Fairest among thousands, altogether lovely. And the acronym for that is F-A-T-A-L, or FATAL. Isn't that wow. interesting? So the symbols, the symbolism that you see all through the lodge, the, the secret handshakes, and so on and so on. I mean, it, it, it has so much that has to do with the world of the occult. Uh, it doesn't take somebody trying to extrapolate something to make something happen. When you look at this, it's obvious for anyone who has decided to look at it with with fair understanding. In other words, try not to uh, to let their biases just run away with them. Mm-hmm. Again, I come back to what I said in the beginning. Uh, if Freemasonry didn't represent, I believe, a spiritual uh, a darkness, and it, it wasn't holding people in bondage, I wouldn't talk about it. Because I, I realized, for my own sake, I mean, why, why would I want to do that? Because uh, of the kind of, um, of uh, a blowback I've gotten from people in, in dealing with this. People in Freemasonry seem to want to defend it more than they would defend the cross and Jesus Christ. And it's, um, it's something I would just leave alone. But for the sake of those who would have ears to hear, well, that's why we're doing a program like this, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Is there a uh, kind of a, a typical person that might be uh, drawn into Freemasonry? I mean, is there a stereotypical member? Uh, How do do they draw their membership? They draw their membership by invitation. So uh, if you have a friend, a pastor, um, and I keep bringing back pastor because many pastors in some of these denominations are involved in Freemasonry, and they'll invite their key leaders to become members as well. 
And so it's somebody who wants to move on in business or somebody who's very uh, very civic-minded and wants to help people, and he's being told that this is a great way to do it, and it's an organization that builds burnt hospitals for kids. I mean, what could be better than that? Uh-huh. And he gets involved, and if that person isn't grounded in the Scriptures, and I come back to this again, uh, somebody who knows the Bible, if they walk into the Masonic Lodge and they begin to go through the ritual... Uh, it, it would make me run to the door, get out to the parking lot, get in the car, and get away as soon as I could to go through these rituals. But people who don't know any better, uh, people who don't understand, or people who are told that it's just the good old boys, we all did it, and you'll you'll get by it too, almost look at it as kind of a hazing. I was just uh, going to say that. It sounds kind of like a fraternity, a college fraternity hazing. Yeah, it really does have some of the same likenesses. And, and you're told, hey, stick around with us. You know, we're the movers and shakers in our community. Uh, your business is going to do well. You're going to be promoted in other places. You know, it's part of that is the draw to it, too. So uh, I would just say for the Christians, let's be documented. It's one thing to say that Freemasonry is of the devil, and I think we'd have good grounds to say that. But let's tell people why. Mm-hmm. Let's do better than just claiming something's of the devil. We need to give answers to people. First Peter 3.15 says, Be ready always to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And part of that is explaining why we don't do uh, particular things, why we don't get involved in particular organizations as well. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you said a lot of civic-minded people. So do we find a lot of politicians then or involved in well, Freemasonry? Well, politicians would be involved, or some politicians would be involved in it. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of talk about the founders of America being Freemasons. And yep. Even to this day, the Masonic Lodge holds Washington up as the master architect of America. And, and Washington himself, though, it's uh, we have some very good evidence that Washington um, did not go to a Masonic meeting the last 30 years of his life. In fact, uh, uh, Governor Rittner, who was the governor of Pennsylvania, a close friend of George Washington, he prepared a vindication of Washington from Freemasonry. The people were accusing Washington of being involved in secret societies. And he provided documents showing that Washington had ceased regular attendance in 1768. In uh, 1798, shortly before his death, uh, he said uh, for the last 30 years he'd not been involved in Freemasonry. See, if you quote me when I was 25, I wouldn't sound at all like I, I am now at 61, because at 25 I was a New Ager, I was a rock and roll record producer. Most of what you would say about me or most of the stuff I would have said at 25, you couldn't play on the radio. You know, so that's where I'm coming from. A lot of people will quote Washington earlier in his life when he was involved in Freemasonry, but uh, they somehow forget to talk about the fact that he didn't go to a meeting for 30 years and had made statements against the Lodge. He was never a grandmaster. He was never a master of any particular Lodge, and uh, that there were letters written that claimed to be from Washington, but those letters have been proved to be spurious. They weren't written by him anyway. Uh, Washington uh, was initiated into Freemasonry as a young man, but never went back to a lodge meeting for 30 years. I think this is pretty good proof that Washington turned his back on the lodge, even though they continue to try to uh, to uh, cast him in such a way as being the key Mason of America. John Quincy Adams said the same thing about his own father, about John Adams, that John Adams detested Freemasonry, and John Quincy Adams detested it as well. I think we have good proof for both of them. Samuel Adams made this statement. He said, I am decidedly opposed to all secret societies whatsoever. That was Sam Adams. John Hancock said, I am opposed to all secret societies. Uh, This tells me where most of these men were coming from. Now, it's true that some were Masons, 
and it's true some were involved at some parts in their lives or at some place in their lives. But uh, when it comes to Washington, which is the one that's always brought up, uh, it's obvious to me that uh, someone who's willing to look at the facts and look at Washington's life from beginning to end will see that Washington, like many of us, smartened up as he went along concerning these kind of things. And when you read Washington's 17 Rules of Life, and they are they're fabulous. I have those listed at our website. You'll find them if you just go to our Insight search engine and search at ericbarger.com. You're going to find them. Washington wrote these, the very nuts and bolts, best plan for living a good life here on the earth. And the last one was all about his relationship with Jesus Christ and serving Jesus Christ. If I had the, the file open, I'd read it to you right now. I don't have it open, but the paraphrase is that the best thing a human can do is to serve Jesus Christ and to love him and to hold to his word. That's what Washington said a person should do, and that's how he ended his life. He ended well, and he encouraged us to continue uh, looking to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Well said. Well, there's seven reasons that I've got listed in our DVD of why I believe the Masonic Lodge is a religion. First of all, their leader is called a worshipful master. I know somebody could say, well, that's really not what that means, but when you when you begin to uh, to examine it, yes, that's exactly what it means. He does lead their religious services. The second reason is they call their meeting place a temple. I think we've got to think twice if we don't think that temple doesn't have to do with something that does uh, does do or has to do with religion. Mm-hmm. The third reason is to become a Mason, you must believe that there is a God. It uh, doesn't uh, ask you to, to have an allegiance to any particular God. Any God will do, but you, uh, you believe that there is a God. Masonry instructs about its God as a member progresses through the upper degrees. So you find out more. It's kind of an unveiling that goes on as you move up through, uh, through the different rungs or ladders going into the shrine. Masonry sings worship songs. That's pretty interesting, and I, I don't have yeah. an example of that, but I do know they do it. The sixth thing is, each lodge meeting begins with prayer. Now, you could say, well, some football games in some places in the country begin with prayer, too. Well, let's go on to number seven. They use religious books, and they assert that masonry is a religion, and we point that out already. I think one of the most telling things is, as I've already pointed out, that masonry is very universalistic. This is one of the Masonic writers I'll quote it to you. The true Mason is not creed-bound. He realizes with the divine illumination of his lodge that he, as a Mason, is in a religion, and it must be universal. Christ, Buddha, or Mohammed, the name means little, for he recognizes only the light and not the bearer. He worships at every shrine, bows before every altar, whether in temple, mosque, or cathedral, realizing with his truer understanding, the oneness of all spiritual truth. Now that again comes from Manley P. Hall, 33rd Degree Mason, The Lost Keys of Freemasonry, page 65, published by the Masonic Supply Company in Richmond, Virginia, in 1976. So this is an official Masonic source. Mm -hmm. Mackey's revised Encyclopedia of Freemasonry by Albert Mackey says this, Be assured that God is equally present with the pious Hindu in his temple, the Jew in his synagogue, the Muslim in the mosque, and the Christian in the church. Now, it's interesting, I have two Masonic King James Bibles that have the exact same wording in them, one from North Carolina and one from the Idaho Lodges. This is what it says on the introduction page, page two of the Masonic King James Bible from the Idaho Lodge. And I, I know the wording's the same, but I'm quoting the Idaho, the particular Bible from the Idaho Lodges. It says, 
Masonry remembers what so many religions forget, that religions are many, but religions are one. As the man of the Quran swears in the book he loves best, and the Hindu on their sacred scrolls, Masonry remembers that we are approaching the nameless one of a hundred names. Now, it doesn't sound at all like what it says in the book of Acts, chapter mm-hmm. 4, verse 12. It says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one way to be saved. But Masonry says all religions are the same. All paths lead to God. They're teaching universalism. And, you know, when somebody says to me, oh, but all paths are okay, you know, it, it's fine. I, I have a, by the way, I have a DVD on on, uh, on universalism. It's one of my most requested seminars I speak on. And I'll make the statement, you know, when somebody, one, one of your friends or somebody who's trying to be charitable to the other, other religions makes a statement, it's okay, all religions lead to God. What they're really saying is that the God of the Christians, the God who sent his only son to die on the cross at horrible death, must be the worst of all gods, who would send his son to die that death when we could have all gotten there through Hinduism or Islam or through Buddhism or through our own good feelings. You know, that's what that says. When we when we decide to be charitable to somebody and give them without any argument to it, the idea that we somehow might agree with, with universalism, what we're really saying is that our God is the worst of all gods and he killed his son for nothing. And so when you read this in the Messiah King James Bible, even before they get to Genesis 1-1, if they have read the introduction, they have seen that masonry forwards the idea that all religions are equal, that all religions lead to the same place. That's not true. There is one path. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. He didn't see me and Freemasonry, or me and Buddha, or me and Muhammad, or me and Confucius, or any combination. He said, I am the only way. It was only through his blood, his sacrifice on the cross, that we can be saved and that we can be set free. And Masons can be saved and set free, but not by Freemasonry. They can just be bound and in bondage for the rest of eternity, if they so desire, by staying inside the religion of Freemasonry. Mm-hmm. Now, if people know Freemasons and they want to discuss this with them, how do you recommend people go about engaging with friends or relatives that are Freemasons? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, and, you know, I think it's different with each person. I think you have to feel out where they are, if they're open to it or not. Uh, I think some of us, if we're not careful, we might uh, uh, throw a bomb in on somebody, and they're they're not going to react right to it. So mm-hmm. I think we have to pick our time. Uh, I think we come with documentation, especially we come with the scripture. Show them the passage in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus said, swear by nothing, let your yes be yes or no be no, and anything beyond that comes from the evil one. I ask them if they have, if, is it true what I said? Ask them, did did you swear an oath? Is it true what, what this fellow said in the podcast? Is this true what Eric Barger is saying? Is this true what Ed Decker is saying? And, and by the way, so many others who would speak about this. And so I think we start by asking them a couple of questions and see if they'll respond, see if they'll answer. And if the door's open, then we can begin to talk to them and ask them if they realize that masonry is universalistic. And they'll probably say, that, oh, if you're in America, we're all Christians. And you say, well, wait a second, that's not at all what the Masonic King James Bible says in the introduction page. It says that the man of the Quran swears on his book, and he gets to the same place that the Christian and the Buddhist and the Hindu get to. And so uh, we, we start by asking them if they realize the severity of what, what these things mean. And 
is the membership in the lodge or what it uh, any benefits they might derive in the natural world is that worth sacrificing their relationship with Jesus Christ or missing heaven over those would be questions I would ask people who are involved in Freemasonry. Mm. I'm going to throw you a kind of a curveball here. I, I've listened to a little bit of materials by uh, with stuff that you've got and, and a little bit by Ed Decker and a few others and gotten just kind of a real basic understanding of what we've talked about tonight. But one thing I thought was really interesting is especially uh, Ed Decker seems to show that there is uh, a lot of similarities between Freemasonry and Mormonism. Is that something you find to be the case? No doubt. And I, I talk about that as well. And, you know, it's no secret that Ed and I are good friends, that he serves on my ministry board, and I serve on the Saints Alive ministry board on his board. And so we, we share a lot of information, but there, there is no doubt that uh, Mormonism and Freemasonry have a lot in common. In fact, it's also no secret that Joseph Smith and his brother Hiram were both 33-degree Masons, and they lifted the identical wording from the first-degree ritual in the Blue Lodge, and they put it in the Mormon Temple. Now, that wording was taken out several years ago. Suddenly, one day, God changed his mind, the God of Mormonism, mm-hmm. and there was an edict put out from Salt Lake City that the Mormon Temple ritual would change, and the occult symbolism that appeared on the, on the veil in the Mormon Temple had changed. All that happened overnight, by the way, and if if you were a temple worker from one day to the next, about 15 or 20 years ago, when that change was made, and I should have that in my mind, what day that was, because we do have the date when it took place. But if you were a temple worker, when that change was made, you would have thought, hmm, that's interesting. God changed his mind overnight. Suddenly, this stuff isn't in there anymore. All those symbols are gone, and that wording that was identical to the first degree of the Blue Lodge was gone from their temple, from their from the ritual. There's also, uh, may I add, some great likenesses between Islam and Mormonism, uh, right down to polygamy being mandatory in the original uh, religion of Mormonism. And, uh, and you know, it's it goes on and on. You know, an angel appears to the leader and tells him that he's going to restore restore true religion and give him the only real. Uh, reliable religious book. It's the same thing that Muhammad heard in the seventh century that Joseph Smith claims he heard back in the nineteenth century. Well, it makes sense when you re- realize that there really are only two religions in the world. There's the truth of Christ, and then there's everything else, and the everything else has the same author. Uh, it, for sure, and I point that out, and uh, I, I think what we see here is from two different places in the world, two completely different type of cultures. Uh, we see how Satan had revealed himself as an angel of light, claiming to be the angel Gabriel, as he spoke to uh, uh, to Muhammad, and claiming to be just an angel, the angel Moroni, speaking to Joseph Smith. But how he he basically in, uh, inferred the same lie in uh, in two different cultures, two different ways, and you can see the uh, the outcome of it when you look at the uh, the destruction of Islam and and the eternal destruction of those involved in in Mormonism. And again. There's some great Mormon people. Love the people. It's Mormonism I've got the problem with, and that's what we've got to understand, that if we really care about people, we'll point these things out. If we care about their eternity, we won't just pat them on the head and say, maybe you'll get it right someday. We will point it out. We'll continue to try to talk to them. We'll dialogue with with facts and documentation. We'll get information. And, And I always tell people, look, don't believe what I'm saying. Go check it out for yourself. If you want to, sure, get my DVD. And then take all the many resources, because we've got quote after quote after quote from Masonic writers on my DVD on Freemasonry. Go and look at it for yourself. Find out for yourself. 
and then uh, take this before the Bible and see if it washes with the Scripture. Now, I can I can rest assured when I tell somebody that that if they're really honest and they're really seeking, that uh, eventually they'll come back and thank me and they'll they'll get out of Freemasonry and begin to follow the Lord. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that somebody can't be um, a Christian and and also be somehow involved in Freemasonry, but if you're reading your Bible, how can you stay there? Just the same thing of being Mormon. If uh, somebody accidentally comes to Christ and really makes a confession of faith in Jesus Christ, well, by reading the Book of Mormon and then the Bible, you find out that the God of Mormonism and the, the Jesus of Mormonism is not represented in the Jesus and the God of the Bible. Mormonism is pantheistic, believes in many gods, believe that Jesus was a man who became a god, that God was a man who became a god, and that we can all be, as men, become gods. Uh, and so um, uh, if people will just look at the facts, look at the documentation, uh, read it with an open heart and an open mind, uh, it's amazing what can happen if the truth is presented to somebody who's an error. Absolutely. Before we close, is there anything else that that you might have wanted to touch on? Well, I mean, there's lots of different aspects, and we've covered a lot of the main angles here, and I, I think it's that's uh, uh, what's so important that we understand you know, that if you're a Mason out there and you're listening to this or someone has, has given you a, a copy of this particular broadcast, uh, I'm just saying take it to the Bible. See if it washes with the Scripture. Don't go to your brother Masons and ask them. Most of them will tell you, don't read that stuff, don't listen to that stuff, don't, uh, don't listen to that guy anymore. But if you know in your heart that God is dealing with you, about a relationship with him, that I would tell you to simply repent of your sins, one of them being that you swore secret oaths, death curses down on yourself in the first, second, and third degree levels of Freemasonry. And if you haven't done that, you need to repent of that. You need to turn from it and renounce it. And to the Christian out there, we need to continue to warn others. And again, like I just said, with documentation, with information, with understanding, of, with the scriptures above all, and with the love of Jesus Christ, Please, to the Christian, I say this, don't try just to win an argument. If all we want to do is win an argument with a Mason or a New Ager or a cultist or whoever it might be, if that's all we want to do, we'll probably turn them off to the place where they'll never receive being witnessed to about the Lord Jesus again. So some of us would like to, we'd like to see people get set free rather than us just win an argument. So let's be careful that we do this in the right spirit and that that we aren't completely argumentative in the process of it or just trying to beat somebody into the ground, so to speak. Let's remember we're here because we want to we wanna bring the truth to people so they can be set free, just not so we can prove our point. Well, thank you so much. You mentioned your website a few times and your DVDs and some of your materials. Before I let you go, talk a little bit about your ministry. You do a lot more than just Freemasonry. You mentioned Jehovah's Witness and Mormonism, but... What other kind of things do you talk talk about Take a Stand Ministries? Well, Take a Stand started 29 years ago. We're coming up this next October to our 30th anniversary in full-time ministry. And uh, again, it's ericbarger.com, and you'll see a lot of what we are represented there on the website. But I've written several books. I started out speaking on the rock music industry and the problems in rock music. I, I was a rock musician, like I mentioned someplace in the program earlier. Mm-hmm. I was a record producer and recording engineer. I was a drug addict and an alcoholic and a New Ager before it was ever called New Age. I'm one of those cases, Andy, that if God can save me, he can truly save anybody that we're currently praying for. I'm a walking miracle. 
And um, he called us into ministry very quickly after he saved us. My wife and I, she got saved first, and then me. She was involved in witchcraft. We were both drug addicts, and that was our life. We got saved. God changed our life. He began to show us things. We started going out doing a one-night seminar on the rock music industry. Whoever would have us, this unknown guy that nobody knew what he would do, and uh, God began to use it, and people began to be saved, and families began to get good information to help them understand how to deal with this in their homes. And then from that, it, it developed uh, through the years into dealing with apologetics and the cults and, of course, the emergent church movement and things like universalism that we've talked about and Mormonism. And those are the things that I minister on most of the time today. And now I travel nationally. I'm on the road about 200 days a year going to conferences and local churches. And uh, that's that's what we do. And, of course, uh, I'm also on radio every Saturday nationally on the CSN network and several local stations as well. Take a stand radio. People want to listen to our podcast. They can go to our website at ericbarger.com and just search for the uh, radio archives, and they'll find all of our past programming uh, since we first went on the air. And I'm excited about what's going on. And at 61, I feel like I'm, I'm making a difference, and we're giving people answers and helping the church to, to be armed about these things and to uh, understand, hopefully, from the same attitude that I have about it, too, that I want to see the lost saved, and, and we want to see people's lives change for eternity. And that's really what it's all about. I'm, I'm about half evangelist and half teacher. And when you, when you hear me speak in person, you know that. And that's, that's the way I operate. And uh, God's been good to us, and we're just so grateful that he's decided to use us in these hours. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I will post as, as many of the links as I can pick up as I do the show notes later on. I'll, I'll put in uh, the show notes. Uh, at This is episode 48 now, so echozoe.com slash 48 will be the link to find if anybody's listening through iTunes or some method other than the website itself, echozoe.com slash 48, and we'll have links and we'll have a I, I do an outline of uh, what we talked about and uh, additional resources that I've found that, that might be fruitful to to pursue if you want to learn a little bit more. And uh, so I'll have Eric's website and anything else we've talked about, you can check out there. Eric, I thank you so much for taking some time with me tonight and, and talking about Freemasonry. And I know you travel a lot and saw that as we talked about setting this up. And you're a busy guy, and, and I thank you for taking some time with me tonight. My pleasure, Andy. God bless your brother. Thank you so much. Me too. That wraps up episode 48. Thanks again for listening. Remember to check out echozoe.com slash 48 for show notes, including an outline of what you just heard, as well as scriptures referenced and additional resources. Thanks again for listening, not only to this episode, but for all of the episodes we've done at Echo Zoe Radio. This being episode 48 of a monthly podcast, it ends the fourth year of the show. Lord willing, I'll be back in May for the first episode of the fifth year of Echo Zoe Radio. 